<clears throat> Hallelujah. I give the Lord the praise because he is raised from the dead. It's Resurrection Sunday. The world calls this Easter Sunday, but in the church I would rather refer to it as Resurrected Resurrection Sunday. Praise the Lord. I can't preach to you an Easter message. For throughout my preaching, I have constantly preached and confessed that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the dead. He ascended on high. He sits on the right hand of the Father and he poured out his Holy Spirit. And I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Had not Jesus been raised from the dead, we would still be dead in our sins. But because he is resurrected and he sits on the right hand of God and we have received the Holy Ghost, we are saved from our sins. And now, because we have become the sons of God, we may boldly come before his throne making our petitions and requests known, believing that he will grant us that which we ask for. It is a wonderful and great privilege to be a Christian, to know that no matter what happens in this life, good or bad, it cannot compare to the glory that awaits us when he returns. I want you to pray with me because I'm going to need some help preaching this in the prayer world. Okay. Because I want to communicate the gospel clearly. I want you all to walk out of here searching, looking for and receiving a great change from the Lord. All things are possible to him that believeth. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you, believing that you are God almighty confessing you as King of kings and Lord of lords. You are truly, Jesus, the Son of God. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, open our ears that we may hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, write your word in our hearts. Lord, be with me, the gospel preacher, that it would that your word would proceed forth out of my mouth like a river of living water. I pray that we would obey your word and walk in your truth. I pray that we would be converted unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we would be converted as true Christians. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would make us a perfect people, a holy people, a righteous people, a godly people. In Jesus' name we pray to the glory of God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin the reading at verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 reads as following. 
And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when he had, when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Praise the Lord for the reading of the word. This morning I would like to preach. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, amen. If you believe in the doctrine of predestination, that you know, you know then that God has called you unto salvation from the foundation of the world. And if we are the bride of Christ, that means we are married to Christ Jesus. That makes this a prearranged marriage. Now, if marriage is preordained, sometimes you might not know who you're getting married to. I believe in during altar call and when we give the plan of salvation, when a person actually receives Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they might not really know all of who Jesus is and they might not know all of the characteristics of Jesus. Maybe the only thing that they've grabbed from Jesus is he forgives sins. That God is missing out of their lives and they know they need God. And they come to Jesus confessing their sins. And they enter into a relationship with Jesus not having counted the cost or not fully knowing who Jesus is. And it's okay because it's a prearranged marriage. In a prearranged marriage, oftentimes a dowry was paid to the bride's father 
for her to become a wife to a husband. The father has paid the price for you to be a bride for his son. Somebody ought to shout. The perfect dowry was paid for your soul, Christ Jesus the righteous. It's Easter Sunday, so we must on this day at least celebrate the resurrection from the dead. Because Jesus is raised from the dead and he died for our sins, a perfect sacrifice on a rugged cross, he became a curse for us. And because Jesus died, we died with him. And if we died with Jesus, we also died to those ordinances and commandments and statutes that were against us. And he took them and nailed them to his cross. But when he rose from the dead, we are free to marry another. Therefore, we are married to a living Savior who has saved us by grace through faith. Therefore, as a man, I find it no shame whatsoever to call myself a member of the body of Christ to be the bride of Christ. And in a prearranged marriage, when you don't really know who you're getting married to, you learn your husband. During the process of the marriage. Hmm. I tell you the story. Of a woman. Who in her city. Has the reputation of being a sinner. Hearing the news that Jesus has come. To the Pharisees house takes with her an alabaster box of precious ointment for the sole purpose of anointing Jesus. It is the best that she has. It is an ointment of great cost. It is very valuable. And being a sinner woman in her experiences in her life, she has reserved this precious ointment hoping that one day some man would come into her life that would be worthy for her to anoint with this precious substance. Y'all got to get with me. It is evident that whoever was in her life before Jesus was not worth the sacrifice, was not worth the price of what was in the alabaster box. But when she hears, that Jesus is coming. She falls so deeply in love with Jesus that she cares not that she is referred to as a sinner. She cares not that the entourage of Christ and others at Simon's house and Simon himself are murmuring against her and against Jesus. She breaks open that alabaster box and she begins to anoint Jesus and the aroma and the fragrance fills the room and she humbles herself pouring that ointment out on his feet. Humbling herself all the way down to the floor and kissing the feet that would soon be pierced to remove the curse from her life. And with tears in her eyes, out of regret for the life that she has lived and for the joy of the coming kingdom, 
knowing that Jesus has provided a place for her in her humility. The glory that is upon her head in another passage of scripture says she lets down her hair to dry the tears that have come out of her eyes from off his feet. So magnificent a scene is this, that if we could understand we too are married to Jesus. But before we humbled ourselves, could it be perhaps we might have strutted around like peacocks in the pride of life, calling ourselves Christians without humility? Could perhaps we truly consider ourselves married to Jesus, but not really knowing who we're married to, thus not knowing how to conduct ourselves as the bride of Christ. Not everybody that gets married knows how to treat their wife or knows how to treat their husband. But in this case, I promise you, Jesus knows how to treat his wife. It is the bride that must learn how to love her husband. I didn't want to preach the sermon. I fell in love with Jesus because that is past tense. And that would sound as if I arrived. I'm there and I've been walking in it. But I'm preaching falling in love with Jesus because I am finding that every prayer I pray and every step that I take in the Lord, I fall a little deeper in love with Jesus. See, what I'm believing is that when this woman was anointing Jesus, every drop that was being poured out of that alabaster box represented every drop of pain that she had experienced in her life. And she is casting her care on now her, her husband, the Lord, because she now being a member of the bride of Christ is in a relationship with Jesus until death do her part. And she has humbled herself. The scriptures tell us that wives are to be under obedience. And Paul says a man should leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and the two would become one flesh. He says this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And what I'm wanting to let us know on Easter Sunday today is that we can remember the great marriage that we participated in. But maybe our relationship with Christ may have stagnated. Now, you, let, let me talk to some married folk around here every day has not been the song of Solomon in our lives. Every day, we've not been running through the lily fields, and every day, we've not been walking through praise in the temple, talking about how good our spouse is to us. Now, I remember, of course, the original in, uh, infatuation that I had when I met Ursula. You know, oh, she bad. I'm digging on her. As we became friends, later to become engaged and married, we grew. I was a hard individual. Therefore, love did not come easy for me. I'm not the only one. Sometimes people can be so hardened, have experienced so much pain and regret, gone through so much in their lives that they believe that they are incapable of love. But let me tell you something. Don't worry about it. If you're married to Jesus, he is going to be so good to you 
that you are going to find yourself falling deeper and deeper in love with him. I don't know if Simon the Pharisee was in love with Jesus because he's questioning who Jesus is because of his fellowship with this woman who carries the label a sinner. Now, my Bible, I don't know about Simon, the Pharisee's Bible, but my Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous. No, not one. There is none that seeks after God. They have all gone astray. And he judges her a sinner. But not himself. So then he questions who Jesus is because he sees this woman touching Jesus. If I could ever touch anything in life, I wish I could touch Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. What it would be like to truly get my hands on Jesus. I think at this stage of my life, I would liken myself unto Jacob and I would not let go of him until he blesses me. If it was Jesus as much man as I am, I'd be holding on to his hand and I wouldn't let go. And you could call me whatever you wanted to call me, but I would know this is Jesus. This is not physical. This is spiritual. What it would be like, come on, sister, to walk hand in hand with the Lord. So wonderful an experience it is that when Enoch walked with God, he was not for God took him. I want to walk with Jesus. But what I have found is that Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. As a matter of fact, Jesus has done everything right. If there's a problem in the marriage with Jesus, the problem lies with me. A man has two debtors. One owes 500 pence and the other 50. Neither one of them could pay off their debt. So he forgave them both. Simon, which one do you think loved him most? Well, I suppose the one that was forgiven most. Simon, you, you, you answered correctly. You're right. Oh, come on now. Ain't nothing like Jesus telling you you're right. You know, I know the doctrine. I know what Jesus said. I know what the Bible says. Isn't it wonderful to be right? Are you right? Or are you just correct in your knowledge? If you were right, you wouldn't have made to do about this woman being a sinner. You wouldn't have criticized her because she's fallen in love with Jesus. And while you're criticizing both Jesus and the woman, and especially the woman who is falling in love with Jesus, you are becoming more distant from he whom you should be loving. Seest thou this woman? Get with me. 
Jesus is saying, I want for you to take a good look at this woman whom you so quickly categorized, put in a box, and labeled a sinner. We all have sinned, right? But is there not more to us than our past sins? I mean, since we were introduced to Jesus, have we not had some change in our lives? Some of us know full well I am not the man I was yesterday. I am not the woman that I was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And God's not finished with me yet. I'm still on God's improvement plan. See us now, this woman. I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Who loves who? Does Simon love her? Does this woman love her? And if Simon is so righteous, why can he not comprehend this demonstration of love before his eyes? Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon would not even welcome Jesus into his house with a mere kiss on the cheek. My own brother Kevin has a habit. Every time he come up from Port Arthur, I give him a hug. You know what he does? Give me a kiss on the cheek. You know what that's for? To demonstrate his brotherhood for me. Okay? Now, Keith, a little harder. I see him all the time. He shake my head, give me a hug, but I don't get no kiss. That doesn't mean he loves me any less. I'm just using that as an example. But Simon doesn't have that kind of relationship with Jesus. No hug, no kiss. Come on in. Wait a minute. Sometimes we treat our spouse as common, don't we? Uh-oh. Am I just another dude? Or you would say, am I just another chick? Am I just your home girl? I'm nothing more than your road dog. Familiarity breeds contempt sometimes. You live with somebody for so long, they just become like another piece of furniture in the house. You dust them off just like you dust off the dining room table. Was Simon common with Jesus? Was, was Simon too familiar with Jesus? Did he think that his status as a Pharisee was equal to that of Jesus? He gave Jesus no kiss. But yet this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. Which means while he's having this discussion with Simon, she's still kissing his feet. Could you stay humble kissing Jesus' feet while the people around you are putting you down? 
and ridiculing you and saying what you are and what you aren't in a single sentence? Could you put up with their ridicule? Could you put up with their scowls? Could you put up with their condescending attitudes and at the same time remain so humble as to continue to kiss the feet of your master, your husband? Simon, you, you, you never anointed my head with oil, but, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Suggesting her humility, her pouring out. Y'all got to get with me on this. See, if we're married to Jesus, as my brother has told me since I was 15 years old, communication rule the nation. Conversation rule the nation. Have we fully opened up and had? A little talk with Jesus. Have we gone to Jesus and reminded him that in your righteousness you are likened unto Hosea and I'm like Gomer. I'm the harlot. I'm defiled. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've been here, there, and everywhere, and under every green tree I have been defiled. And yet you, from the foundation of the earth, have chosen me to be your bride. Have we had that little talk with Jesus? Like Peter said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. John said, I'm not worthy to unlatch your shoes. Have we had that little talk with Jesus to the point that when the phone rings, you won't answer because I'm having a little talk with Jesus? Jesus said, I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Until we're honest and admit we are that bad. Because we're quick to say, well, I'm not that bad. But until we admit, yes, I am. This sin has been cruising through my veins from my birth. I'm defiled in human flesh from my mother's womb. I've never been in a position to please God. Until he married me. Until the consummation of this marriage, when he filled me with the Holy Ghost, there was no hope of me pleasing God. I was a stranger, an outsider, literally outside of the commonwealth of Israel with no hope of salvation. But now we're married. You remember when you got saved? Baptized in the water, confessing your sins, pledging your allegiance to Jesus. And when you came out of the water, he started talking to you. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye perfect, for my Father in heaven is perfect. And we know that's what he commanded us to do. Being a wife, we are under obedience. 
Are we an unruly wife? Are we a disobedient wife? Will we not submit to our own husband, Christ Jesus, the Lord? I'm not trying to be too deep here. I'm just really trying to let us know that falling in love with Jesus, as the song said, it's the best thing I've ever done. But in order to do that, first, you've got to acknowledge what kind of relationship you're in with him. So I don't want to get ahead of my story here, but so I can get you all on the same. We're on the same method, on the same plan or on the same page, as we say. If I'm really going to be in love with you, I mean, really in love with you, like the way little girls be picturing being in love with the Barbie doll and the Ken doll and playing house and all that kind of stuff. And I really want to be there. Y'all ain't feeling me. Ain't no dude ever grew up saying, I want to be Ken doll. If he did say, I want to be Ken doll, he wasn't a man. You know, that was one of them little boys. We don't play with him. Because he want to play house with the girl. Something wrong with that. Yo, dude, you want to play football? Uh-uh. I make a mud pie. Something wrong with this dude, man. We're going to shoot who? Okay, we're leaving him behind. But in order, because a wife has a mentality, an imagination, and a picture in her head of what love is, what marriage is, what life is. And when she is envisioning her husband being in love with her, he fits into that paradigm. In order for me to even come anywhere close to that, that I can be in love with her on that level, I must fall in love with Jesus first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things would be added unto you. Too many people want their marriages to work, but have not put Jesus first as an individual. And they're not willing to go any further than their partner is. If you ain't going to stop cussing, I ain't going to stop cussing. If you ain't going to church, I'm not going to church. If you're going to talk to me like that, I'm going to talk right back. So instead of individually falling in love with Jesus, because there is this point in your relationship with Christ that you must love Jesus more than you love everybody else. In other words, mama, I love Jesus more. Daddy, I love Jesus more. Wife, I love Jesus more. Kids, I love Jesus more. Partner, I love Jesus more. And until that relationship is established, and it is fully confirmed in my life that I have fallen in love with Jesus, and that you can't be my son if you are going to cause me to violate my marriage with Jesus. You can't be my wife if I can't keep my marriage with Jesus. You can't be my partner. You can't be my friend. If anything, if it is going to violate my friendship and my relationship and my marriage with Jesus. But what has happened over the course of time, we've been married to Jesus, but we hadn't really worked that thing out, have we? We were an unruly wife. We still hold fast to the covenant. I'm, I'm not divorcing Jesus. I love Jesus. You know how we would vainly worship him with our mouths, but our hearts were far from him. We can clap our hands. We can praise. But when it actually comes down to doing what our husband has told us to do, ooh, that just ain't the ghetto hard sisters that's saying I ain't going to do it.
<laughs> That's the brothers telling Jesus. Man, listen, Lord, I know what you said, but, um, you know, ain't nobody perfect. But he commanded you to be perfect. But instead of saying, Lord, I know I'm not perfect, and you've commanded me to be perfect, what I need for you is to protect me, groom me, mold me, shape me, and put perfection in me. That perfection would overtake me, and that I would become perfect in your eyes. Lord, I need your help. But we use the excuse, ain't nobody perfect. I know we're supposed to live holy, but in this society, nobody is striving to truly live holy. And that becomes the excuse that we use for our marriage with Jesus not being what it's supposed to be. As the scripture would say, your sins and iniquities have separated you from your God. You might not be fully divorced, but sometimes you are separated. You might even be living in the same house. But this marriage experiences no consummation. It experiences no intimacy. It, it experiences no true love on your part. But Jesus, he's still loving you. When things wasn't right and you said, Lord, I need your help, he helped you. You weren't acting right and he still blessed you. And you kept making requests and like a good husband, just because you were his wife, he kept on blessing you. Every woman wants that kind of husband. No matter how I act, he just keeps treating me good. But that does not make it a wholesome marriage. That just means you have a good husband. Oh, I've heard many women claim to be a good wife. But unless you're a good wife to Jesus, you can expect failure in your natural marriage. Mm. So let's talk about distraction. Was it not distraction that entered into your relationship with Christ Jesus to keep it from being all that you would have it to be? It came to pass that Samson loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. She said to him, how canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Now, I know Delilah is no good and I know she sold Samson out. For 30, I mean, for, for 1,100 pieces of silver. I know she's no good. Just because she's no good doesn't mean she doesn't know what she's talking about. And she sets a precedence for us holy rollers here. Speaking for Jesus, how can we say we love him when our heart is not with him? Jesus said, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many works in thy, in thy name? He's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you're not. I never knew you. Can you imagine you walking through the mall? With your husband. 
And he look at you and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. What? <laughs> me? And yet in the day of judgment, that's exactly what's going to happen. These false marriages to Jesus. You know, in the world, we say things like living together, shacking, or in a relationship, or whatever you want to call it, but it's not a true marriage. Remember, we're talking spiritual. Are we in a false marriage with Jesus? Because a lot of people are in a common law marriage with Jesus. Amen. I love Jesus. I'll shout for him. I will praise him. I'll go to church. But the very thing that is most difficult for us to do, the devil's stronghold in our lives, the bondage that has crept into our faith, that thing that is most difficult for us to release is what is separating us from our husband. Somebody say amen. Distractions. Bathsheba gives birth to Solomon. And the scriptures say him. I got power. The Lord loved him. Wait a minute. The Lord loved Solomon. First Kings chapter three, verse three, it says, and Solomon loved the Lord. But in the 11th chapter of first Kings, it says, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Solomon clave to these in love. It says when he was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and they were good for one thing. They turned his heart from God. This is not a discussion about marital polygamy. This is about distraction here. Okay? See, some people married to their car. Married to the job, married to the bowling league. You, 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 you can put your affection on anything of this world. But those things are what keep you from seeking after God with your whole heart. I'm an understanding pastor. You can tell me you're going to the moon for a month. Okay. But in my faith, I want to tell you nothing should keep you from the house of God under any circumstances. Well, of course, I'm going to be biased about that because in my marriage with Jesus, since I was 23 years old, I'm like first one to church, last one to leave, got the keys, open the door. Pastor, what you want me to do? Church people, this is what I do. Preaching, hollering, screaming, doing, cleaning toilets, whatever. That's my calling. And I know you're going to say it's not fair for you to put that on me. Okay. Like I said, I'm an understanding pastor. Mm. 
No man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they lusted after, they erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Got their mind on their money and their money on their mind so much that they cannot search after God with their whole heart. God promised that he would rebuke the devourer for your sake and all nations would call you blessed. This is the condemnation. Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's the distraction. You love something a little bit too much. You can love to eat too much. And it hinder your relationship with Christ. You can apply that to whatever it is you notice in your life that you might be wrestling with, whether it's a woman, whether it's money, whether it's whatever. That's the thing that is keeping you from being with your husband, God, with all of your heart, mind, soul. Ooh, Easter Sunday morning. And he got up. Yes, he did. Mm. Let's talk about God loves me. The law tells us He loved our fathers and chose their seed after them. From Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6, it is written, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Verse 13 says, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. Verse 14 says, thou shalt be blessed above all people. From days of old, God has proclaimed a love for his people. Thus, Jesus has a love for his wife, the bride, the church. Balaam tried to curse the bride of Christ, Israel. 
says, nevertheless, the Lord God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee because the Lord thy God loved thee. Isaiah writes, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. Yes, God loves you. He says in the book of Hosea, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him. Isaiah writes, since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable and I have loved thee. Jeremiah writes, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I'm literally pulling you Toward me because I love you. Jesus says no man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. A favorite scripture of many Christians. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, God loves us. Jesus loves his children. Do you all remember the song, Jesus loves the little children? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Y'all remember that? It's true. If they would but call upon his name, if they would repent of their sins, if they would turn from their wicked ways, if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, if they would turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Yes, Jesus loves me. Scripture says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he died, Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews weeping, which came with her. This is Mary. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Relationship, marriage with Christ Jesus. I am bound to you. Jesus loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, how I love Jesus. I'm falling in love with Jesus because he is in love with me. Wait a minute. Does not the scripture tell us we love God because he loved us first? 
Did not God love us so much that he had Jesus crucified so that we would become a bride fit for him without spot or wrinkle? I think that's deeply in love. Now, I'm going to tell you something, something that I know. This is for men. Man, 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 man. The more you fall in love with your bride, the more she falls in love with you. Promise. It's the goodness of God that leads thee to repentance. God is so in love with you. Jesus loves you so much and he keeps proving it to you, doesn't he? That no matter how many times you done messed up, no matter how many difficulties you've had, who do you keep running back to? And sooner or later, his love will grow on you. Sometimes when somebody loves you so hard and they love you so strong, you can't help but love them back. And nobody loves you more than Jesus. I know that sometimes men are willing to give their lives for another. But no man would be willing to carry their sins to judgment. Jesus loves you so much, he will carry your sins to the judgment. That's how much he loves you. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself. But he sent me. Why do I love Jesus? Is that a good question to ask? This is what David says. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. I love him because he hears me. You cannot fall in love. With a husband that never hears you, that never responds to you, that never has anything to do with you. But David is saying, here's the reason why I love him, because when I open up my mouth, his ear is inclined to me. In other words, he's leaning forward to hear that which I have to say. In other words, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's straining to hear what I've got to say. If only we would speak with him sincerely. If only we would speak with him honestly. If only we would speak with him from the whole heart. I'm going to tell you something. I don't like to hear stuff just because people say it. Don't try to tell me what I want to hear. I don't like to have conversation in general. Okay, just yakety yak talk. I don't think that Jesus appreciates yakety yak either. I think I think that he wants you to talk about those things that are most important. The scriptures make no mention of Mary's conversation with Jesus, only her tears. But her tears speak volumes. Her tears speak her love for Jesus. This is more than emotion. This is more than merely a feeling. 
This is a matter of fact. Put this one on the record. I love you so much that I am willing to take the last bit of dignity I have and lay it at your feet. The feet are the lowest part of the human body because we are made to stand upright. When she got down to kiss Jesus' feet, literally crying on them and letting down her glory to wipe the tears from off of his feet. She has laid aside all pride. She's laid aside every bit of self-dignity that she has. She doesn't care what anybody thinks or whatever they say. She has fallen in love with Jesus. And at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart and in my soul, I know this is what God wants for us. He wants for us to be in love with him. He wants us to be an obedient wife. He wants us to be a submissive wife. He wants us to be a dutiful wife. Finding the virtuous woman is not just a theme for the women's fellowship. We are the bride of Christ and we should conduct ourselves appropriately. Amen. Proverbs, it says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Anybody can make empty promises, but whatever God has said, will come to pass. His word will not return unto him void. In other words, we are married to a savior that never goes back on his word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. He is the truth. And when he speaks, he plans on backing up whatever it is that he says. If he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, he meant what he said. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Y'all didn't hear me that, did you? If we set our love on Jesus, he will deliver us. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. Come on, church. My last set of scriptures, because I'm over time and I know I am, and I don't even have to look at the clock for it. I learned my lesson about long-windedness. <laughs> Y'all walk with me. Turn in your Bibles to the book of John. Chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, 
Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Amen. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus. See, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Surely you were with Jesus. No, I'm not. Somebody else says, yeah, I saw you there. No, it wasn't me. Yeah, you was with Jesus. You were Galilean. Your speech betrays you. He started cussing them out. And then the cock crowed. Says Peter went away and wept bitterly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus is resurrected. It is Easter, huh, Keith? Jesus is raised from the dead. Jesus is a real brother. Fish for breakfast. Here on the beach, <laughs> broiling some fish. They're sitting down eating fish for breakfast. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. Wait a minute, Peter. Do you really love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, are you deeply and madly in love with me. Since Peter was grieved in his heart. Because he asked him a third time. Lord. You know everything. You know I love you. You know how we say. God knows my heart. But Jeremiah says the heart. Is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it. Our hearts must be converted. He has to remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And then he has to write his word in our heart. But once that has taken place. Okay. We've got to have more than casual friendship with Jesus or frequent acquaintance. We got to do more than date Jesus. Right. Okay, we got to do more than shack up with him or just live with him. We have got to go to the altar with Jesus. We have to do more than say I do. We must do. I know Abraham loved God because when God commanded him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, on the altar, He had the knife raised in the air. And the angel of the Lord had to speak from heaven to stop this. That's how much Abraham loved God. And we know he loved Isaac. But he loved God more. We must be willing to take anything and everything and place it on an altar And sacrifice it for love of Christ. 
you love anybody more than Christ, you are not worthy of him is what he said. Now, I'm going to preach part two of this message next week. I cannot preach the whole Bible in a single service. I know you all have other plans for the rest of the day, dinner plans, plans with your family. And I am considerate of those things. But I want for everybody here to do a self-evaluation and examine yourself and determine how much you love Jesus. Are you committed to falling in love with Jesus? And will you be committed to falling deeper and deeper in love with him every day? Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We must be a righteous and holy people. And I know from personal experience, we all will wrestle with something, whether it be personal affection, lust of our flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life, every trick of the devil. It does not matter. Sooner or later, if you really love Jesus, because I know Jesus really loves you, you will get your breakthrough. But you are going to have to determine within your heart and within yourself and within your mind that the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And when you have that made up in your mind and you are that committed to Jesus, you are going to be in love. And continue to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. And he, as a husband, will do greater and greater works for you, through you, and in you. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Give the Lord some hand praise.